0: Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. It's good to see you, good to be here. Why don't you continue in your Bibles and go to the Old Testament, you're going to go to Isaiah. Isaiah comes after Psalms, he's one of what we call the great prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, we've heard from already today, and Ezekiel, they're the great prophets. Isaiah was about 200 years before before Jeremiah. He was at the time when Israel was almost, had been uh, conquered by the Assyrians, almost there. And he was talking, preaching the prophet to the the southern tribe of Judah and bringing an unwelcome word that, watch out, watch out, something's going to happen. So let's go to Isaiah 42 to start, the end of Isaiah 42. You can go back. You just need to read the whole of Isaiah to get the context. So you can do that this afternoon. But in Isaiah 42, he starts with the thing about which is Jesus. But at the end of, right at the end, the last two verses of Isaiah 42. Please go there. There are no words. I'm a firm believer as a teacher, you need to see and hear. You can't see today, so you're going to have to put those extra ears on. And take notes. That will also help you. So you can't see up there, but you can see what you're writing. Okay. So if you want to remember, take notes. So Isaiah 42, the last two verses, verse 24 and 25. God speaking through Isaiah, Who gave up Jacob to the looter, and Israel to the plunderers? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned? in whose ways they would not walk, and whose law they would not obey. So he poured on him, Jacob and Israel, the heat of his anger and the might of battle. It set set him on fire all around. But he, Israel and Jacob, did not understand. It burned him up. It burned Jacob up. But Jacob, Israel, did not take it to heart. Yo, that's heavy. They've sinned. They've messed up. God's brought judgment, fire, battle, and yet the people don't hear it. They don't take God's warning. So we would think after reading that, yo, well, that's it. Hmm, hmm, They are finished. But then read verse 1 of Isaiah 43. Don't you love the word but? But now says, Thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. And verse 3, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. God created them. He created me. He created you. He says, fear not. Why not? Because I have redeemed you. I have bought you at great price. I know you, sons and daughters, I know you by name. And immediately makes me think of what Paul writes. You don't need to turn there, but make a note of it. Romans 5 verse 20. Paul writes to us today under the new covenant. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. The law came to show us how much we sin. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. God sent Jesus his son. That is grace, the blood of Jesus. Even though we are sinners, even though we're in that place we are ignoring God, God's grace flows over us and over us and over us. So we all sit there and think, but we sang this morning, we started the song, victory, we have victory because our sin is not going to be judged. And you ought to see there, we have victory because our sin is not going to be judged. We are covered by grace. And so we can say, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And yet, and yet, most of you aren't even saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're sitting inside, you're thinking, but Laney, but Laney. It's all very well here sitting in church and everyone's singing and it's all rah, 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 but i got to go out there. I've got to face my personal circumstances. Do you not know I've lost a loved one? Do you not know I know someone who's sick or I'm sick myself? Do you not know I can't get a job? Do you not know I have a job and I hate it and I want to get out of it and it's exhausting me and I can't do this job anymore? Do you not know I want to be married and I can't find a partner and I've been looking for a partner for years and years? Do you not know I have a partner I wish I didn't? I want to divorce them. Do you not know I yearn for children? Do you not know I have a child and I just spare for them. That's life, isn't it? That's real life. And I' was talking about the big things, but the daily things, you wake up and the washing machine won't work. You wake up and you're late for work. There's another accident on the highway. Your car won't start. Do I not know? How can I be victory? And then I look at my South Africa. Have I not seen the Rand? Have I not heard about the corruption? Have I not listened to the, all that's happening and been exposed in the Nugent Report? And taxes, Where the, where is my taxes going? And what about when I go wider in the world? Have I not heard Trump going on with this rhetoric? Have I not seen the Middle East? Have I had not heard about China? Have I not seen the immigrants in Europe? Lainey, how can we shout with victory? How can we? This is the real world. This is the real world. We're not alone. We're not alone. A man by the name of Eli Weasel, he's a survivor of the concentration camps at Auschwitz, and he wrote, it is the end. God is no longer with us. I know that man is too small, too humble, and inconsiderable to seek to understand the mysterious ways of God. But what can I do? Where is the divine mercy? Where is God? How can I believe? How can anyone believe in this merciful God? Job, in our Bibles, afflicted in so many ways, physically, emotionally, his family, left with nothing. A good, righteous man. In verse 20, Job 23, verse 8 and 9, he says, behold, I go forward. But he, talking about God, he's not there. And backward, but I don't perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I don't behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. Where is maturity? What is maturity in our lives? In this day-to-day reality of life, what is maturity? And I believe with all my heart, when we yell and we rail at God and we can't see Him and we grope in the darkness and we wrestle with God, we will find Him. We will find Him. When we ask the why questions, we will not get exhaustive answers. We will often have more questions than we have answers. We will have more uncertainty than we have assurance. But he is there. And we have to choose, and I try and say my words very carefully, we choose to recognize And lean, lean into the greatness of God. But it's a choice. And the choice depends on how good, how good do you believe God is. Really believe. I remember when Sean, at the beginning of his medical career, they used to go into the townships, into the clinics, and one of their jobs was to vaccinate the babies. So this happy little, gurgling, cute little baby would be taken to Sean, this nice young doctor, smiling face, and quack. ana, <laughs> Ah! What have you done to me? You've hurt me. We sang about freedom today. Do you know, have you thought about that freedom? There's a freedom. Yes, we have freedom in Jesus. But freedom is given to us. Free will. Free choice. And it comes at a cost a very real cost, a cost of evil and suffering because we get to choose the way that we will go. Adam and Eve chose no to God. That is freedom. So when we rail at God about our circumstances, it's part of our freedom. But, 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 huge but. The cost, the cost of that freedom is not alone. The cost of suffering, we're not alone. The cost of seeing evil abound in the world, we're not alone. Jesus is already there, down deep There, he is there, he is there, he is there. And when you find the chasm so wide and you feel you're on this side and life's on this side and God's over there and you search and you look, the chasm has been breached. The chasm has been bridged and it's been bridged by Jesus thoroughly and utterly and completely so that the chasm is no longer there and we cling to Jesus because he is good. And he has our absolute best, our absolute best at heart. Do we believe that? Do we? Or is it a little bit pie in the sky, nice thing about it in church, feel all fuzzy, but when we get to the real world, we fall down. Where is God? No, he is there. A good, good, good God. That verse that I left out in chapter 43, go back now, verse 2. He says, I've created you. I've formed you. Do not fear. I've called you by name. And verse 2, when, not if, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One, the one of Israel, your Savior. Whatever you pass through, he is there. And we will find. A mature belief. A mature believing that is not tossed to and fro by life circumstances. Do you know the story of Horatio Spafford? Born 1828 in New York. By 1871, he's in his 40s. He is a successful lawyer. Very, very successful. He's now living in Chicago. He has five children. Four girls and a little boy. His son dies of scarlet fever, prevalent in those days. He invests a huge amount of money. I need to say first, preempt all this and say he loved Jesus with all his heart. He faithfully served Jesus. He was a strong believer. He was always, always speaking about God. Lost his son to scarlet fever. A couple of months later. He put all his investment into Chicago. And if you know your history, 1871, Chicago burned down. All his investment gone. Two years later, he felt to go over across to Britain to support Moody. Moody, the great evangelist, and be involved in the spreading of the gospel in Great Britain. They were were going to go by ship, him, his wife, and his four girls. At the last moment, as he was about to board the ship, Business called him away and he couldn't leave. He said, darling, you go ahead with our girls. You go ahead. I'll follow as soon as I can. He heard that the ship was struck by another ship and sank with very few survivors. No what's up in those days. Eventually got a, got a telegram to say from his wife to say, survived alone. He boarded another ship and went across as quickly as he could as he passed that spot in the water where his four girls had drowned he wrote that amazing amazing hymn it is well it is well with my soul though satan should buffet though trials should come lest this blessed assurance control let this blessed assurance control that christ has regarded My helpless estate and hath shed his blood for my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. How is our belief? He is a good, good God. He says, recognize me. Lean into my greatness, and it will be well with your soul. So, when we believe in a good God, when we deeply trust Him with all our heart, we will obey Him. And as we obey Him, we will find peace. Flip over to Isaiah chapter 48. You're in 43, a couple of chapters later, verse 17 and 18. Isaiah 48, verse 17 and 18. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you paid attention to my commandments. Then... Your peace would have been like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. When we believe God, and I think, can I just say, you know, we believe God for salvation. But I, with all my heart, from my perspective, where I am at yet, we believe God more and more and more. There's a deeper and deeper belief. We start here and we're going to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the belief of the goodness of God no matter what. And when we believe in God and his goodness, we more easily and readily obey him because we trust him because no matter what happens, he's good. Think of Abraham, Abraham, forefather of our faith. He went through phases of obedience and disobedience the whole of his life. Little things and big things. He was obedient in leaving Paran and going to the promised land. That was huge. Not knowing where he was going. He obeyed God. He was disobedient. When he went to Egypt, he says, no, that's not my wife. Just look, don't hurt me. It's not my wife. You can have her. He disobeyed God in doing that. But then there came a test, a final test of Abraham, how much will you obey me? Do you really believe in me? And all the promises that I've said, after all this life of of obedience and, and disobedience, and God said to him, sacrifice your son, Isaac. That's huge. And Abraham obeyed because he believed God with all his heart. He believed that God was good, so he knew whatever happens, God's got this. And he was willing to the last moment to do, to obey God. What has he told you and me to do? And there are myriads of things. There really are. Take the Bible. There's so many commandments. And I encourage us to look at them. And daily, he tells us stuff to do, doesn't he? But I don't want to go into that. What I want to focus on today is if our belief in God, the overriding thing, I think, that God tells us to do, is the last thing he said just before he sent it into heaven. What did he say? Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples. Oh, but I'm not a missionary. I'm not a preacher. I'm not an elder. I'm not a deacon. No. Wherever you are, whatever age you are, unemployed, employed, old, young, fat, thin, clever, dumb, whatever, go and make disciples. Jesus came to do what? To re- restore, reconcile us with God. When he's in the don't you don't need to go there but you can make a note of it. When he's in the, with his disciples in the upper room, he says many things it's called the great high priest prayer. So many incredible things he tells us. And one of the things he says to us in John 17 verse 15, he says I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Don't you often say, God, just take me. Take me out of this. Come quickly. It's so easy to do that. I don't pray that. I don't ask God. God, Jesus says, why not, Jesus? (laughs) Why can't we get saved and come to heaven? Because we're here to make disciples of all nations. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. Verse 18, as you sent me into into the world, so I have sent them into the world. He has left us as his priests. That verse from Peter that they read today, he says, making us a nation of priests. Why? He is the great high priest. He has reconciled us to God when we choose to believe in him. We are now priests to carry on the work here, to take his word, To reconcile man to God. Are we obeying? Because if we really believe him, we will be obeying. How are we doing? If I'm real with myself, we're not doing awfully well, are we? Life's far too busy and far too complex and far too hard. Guys, what do we believe? What do we believe? And it says in that verse I read, then peace will flow like a river. Oh, I need peace, I need peace. Believe God, obey Him, peace will flow like a river. It's the truth. Belief leads to obedience. Obedience leads to peace. And peace leads to a growing sense of His presence always with me. Can I say that again? Belief leads to obedience. Obedience leads to peace. Peace leads to pray His more and more of His presence. And then what happens? We get more belief. It's like this great cycle. But what we want to do is we want His presence. Is it bad to want His presence? No. But we just want the fuzzy feeling. We want to feel good in church, and then when we go out, we're not going to do anything about it. We're not going to be any different. That's not right. We want his abiding presence day in and day out. Remember the story of the account. I hate to say story because then it sounds like it's made up. It's not made up. It's real. The account in Luke of the two disciples after Jesus had been crucified. Remember, the the road to Emmaus. We all know it as the road to Emmaus. What had happened? Jesus was with them. They'd come to an understanding. I mean, there were the 12 disciples. And it says there were about 100 people who followed him all over. Jesus, they believed, was the Christ. He's now died. How can a Messiah die? He's not supposed to die. Devastating. And if they killed him, aren't they going to kill us as well? Some women, I mean, women, you know, what do women know? Go to, the, go to the graveside and they say he's alive. i oh, not sure about this. So they leave Jerusalem. They're getting out of there. It's They're uncertain. They're battling with belief. Life is hard. Let's just go home. Let's just get out of Jerusalem. It's not safe. I don't know what's going on. I thought I knew God. I thought I believed in God and everything's fallen apart. Does that sound familiar? And they're walking to the road to Emmaus and they're like, oh man, what is going on? And another man joins them. And it says they actually stopped because this man says, what's wrong with you? Like, you know, dude, you not know what's going on. They stopped. They say, haven't you heard? They've crucified the one we thought was the Christ. And they carry on walking and this guy starts telling them. And he starts expounding scripture. And he starts talking about how it was said to be from the beginning. And he explains scripture. Oh God, I would have loved to have been there. Imagine Jesus expounding that scripture. Yeah, I've given it away. They get to their house and he pretends he's going on and he's in, no, come in for supper, come in to supper, come, come, please. They're so enjoying the conversation. And they sit down and they kind of just be there. We so enjoy the conversation with Jesus, but we don't actually see him. We hear his word, we read his word, but do we see Jesus? Because are we believing? So we can all be it's all nice and fluffy, but it's not real. And they sit down and he breaks the bread. It's Jesus. And he disappears. And I want to pick up then in Luke, chapter 24. It's nighttime. The roads were not safe. Much like going from here to Santon, Not safe. They said to Jesus, don't carry on, it's dark, you need to stay, you need to come into our home. They fled from Jerusalem. What happens? They see it's Jesus, he disappears, verse 33 of chapter 24 of Luke. And they rose at that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. What are they being? Obedient. Oh, let's think about, you know what, I'm quite tired, it's really unsafe on the roads, can't go, we've walked all the way here, all the excuses we make. We're not obedient. What did they do? Immediately, they got up and they went back to Jerusalem. They obeyed God. And they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together. So they weren't one of the main dudes. They were just ordinary disciples like you and me. Saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. That's what the disciples are saying. So they told them what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. Hey, God is with us. Jesus is with us. But sometimes we just don't see him. We do not know, and it seems so horrid and such a tough situation. How can you say you hear, God, I can't see you. You can't be good because can't you see what's happening to me? He is there, with you every single moment of it, and he's loving you and he's caring for you, and he's guiding you, and he, he wants to just you to know. He's incredible, incredible. Presence with you. Where are we today? I want to say that cycle day. Do we believe? God, help my unbelief. And maybe you're in that place there. God, I need to believe you more. Help me in my unbelief. Help me in my unbelief. Maybe you're in a place where. I don't even believe all this stuff. I've never seen God. I don't believe that he is the Christ. I don't believe that he rose again. And that's okay, but I'm not suggesting to you, don't leave it there. If you don't know Jesus, you are missing out on the presence of the Holy One with you always, guiding you, leading you, nurturing you, loving you, and you are missing out. Jesus says in his gospel, it's like a pearl. It's like a treasure. Do everything. The man with the pearl, it says he found a pearl in his field and he sold it. He sold, he sold everything else so he could purchase that field. So he could have that that's the treasure. So he could have that treasure. If you're on a journey and you don't know Jesus yet, don't give up. Sell everything you know sell everything, give everything to find him because he is the pearl of great, great price. And we can look at ourselves and say, how's my obedience? How am I doing in discipling all nations? Well, that's not my job. Yeah, it is. It's all of our job. And now I have to go back and say, okay, if I'm not doing it, do I really believe God? Be real with ourselves today. Help me, Jesus, in my unbelief. And the incredible thing in all of this, as I started this morning, yeah, we mess up. I mess up every day, daily. I'm reminded constantly of how weak I am, how foolish I am, how stuff comes out of the mouth that is so, shouldn't be said. I'm reminded daily, and God, what does Jesus say? Those sins abound. How much more is your grace? And like the prodigal son that Marlee spoke about. You know, the prodigal son is not a one-off thing. We come back to Jesus daily if we need to. We get to the place of disobedience. We recognize it. We turn around. And as we go towards him, he runs towards us, throws his arms around us and says, Come on, let's party together. We can do that over and over and over. And he never gets tired of us. He never says, oh, man, you did it again. He just says, come on, Lainey. Come on. Enjoy my presence. Don't you want more of his presence? Don't you want his abiding presence? Don't you want to know he he says I'm closer than a brother? I want that. How are we doing in our believing? How are we doing in our obeying? It's not a harsh word. It's an incredibly liberating, freeing word. To live victorious lives so we can sing victory in church. And please hear me, there's nothing wrong about that. But I'm concerned about how we're singing victory out there. When the car breaks down. When life happens. We can That's the ridiculous thing. In the midst of suffering, we can say victory because God is good. He's got me. He's got me. He loves me. He surrounds me. Amen. And we get to break bread today. We get to break bread. Why do we break bread? Because he said in that supper that I was talking about, he said, He broke the bread and I pray this morning and I want us to do it individually. So what I'm going to suggest we do, let me talk and then we can do it, is go and get the bread. And when did those disciples see him? When they broke the bread. So hold it in your hand. Not a religious thing, a faith thing. God, as I break this bread, show me you. Show me what you need me to see today. Change me. I want more of you. I want all of you. Hey, let's do that. Why? There's only one thing, one caution Jesus says. He says, if you do not know me, do not do this. Because you will eat and drink judgment on yourself. That's what God says. It's very serious. But if you know and love Jesus, you do this with freedom. And if you don't know Jesus, come now. Come. Run. Come here. Seriously, people, I'm very, very safe. If you do not know Jesus, you are missing out on the greatest ever thing. And you can go and break bread today. All you got to do is come and say, I don't know Jesus. Bend your knee to the Almighty God and say I surrender I am a sinner and I need Jesus to cover my sin run, don't leave this building please, with all my heart so let's go let's get a piece of bread and a glass of wine and then we'll do this together